Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, friend, Steve here. Hey, Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw. Raw view, retro pay-per-view review here from Going In Raw. Uh, so uh, back in like June of last year, we did a charity thing where we were like auctioning off uh, uh, ideas for Going In Raw view. People would submit, hey, I'll put in this money, you review this. And so that happened with Mr. Ryan Chad, and he asked that we review either WrestleMania 14 or SummerSlam of that year, 1998. And uh, because uh, we're, I'm pretty intimately familiar with WrestleMania 14, I didn't quite remember SummerSlam 98 as well. I was like, oh, let's do that. Let's see where the WWE was, uh, what, four so months after. Yeah. And what's. Their, Sorry, their, like their, yeah, their, yeah. the show that really broke through for them in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's memorable, at least about this show for me, and I think us, is I believe this is the first pay-per-view we watched together in Los Angeles after we moved there to go to college. Now, prior wow. to this, uh, my my parents would order the pay-per-views, and, and I'd have my friends come over and watch my parents' house. Um, move, I, it was probably like, I don't know, like a, a couple weeks prior, I moved to the apartment that we all shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe this is the first show we watched, pay-per-view, sorry, first pay-per-view we all watched together in our apartment. That would make sense. I don't remember that at all. It's funny because I'm I'm glad you kicked off with this because I wanted to ask, okay, where were we at mm-hmm. that time? But at that point, we had just yeah. moved to it Los matter, Angeles. It was less than a month that yeah. we'd been in that apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I moved a couple days before my moved in a couple days before my birthday. So we were in an apartment on Roscoe Boulevard in Northridge. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to drive past it i don't know the it's, it's a pretty large apartment complex so. it was either watch SummerSlam or watch the channel where you could see the camera free feed from the front gate yes. they had it was like channel six or something were on the cable system there where you could watch the front gate and who was showing up at the pretty i mean it was a pretty big apartment complex yeah, it was pretty large so there's always comings and goings yes Fascinating none of it, watching, by the way it, yeah none of it was particularly interesting and yet it was fascinating to watch I mean, these days you just, it's every, like you could, it's, it's called Twitch. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. These days it's this Twitch. Was, this was, this was pre Twitch, pre, uh-huh. was it Justin.tv? Uh, yeah. Um, which pre YouTube was, was proto Twitch. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, this goes back quite a ways. We're talking 1998 here. Uh, yeah, this, we had the RTV set up. You walk in the front door, TV is right there. It was kind of like a long living space. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It had, had that living space had one of two air conditioning units in the entire apartment, the other was in your bedroom. Nice, yeah. Um, Boy, we lucked uh, out on that one. Yeah, but then yeah, I had to room. I, I had to room with Jeff, so I'm not sure. I it probably is a better trade off. <laughs> yeah, my my room got pretty hot, so. <laughs> um, so you know, for that reason, I remember this show fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but what's kind of remarkable about this show, considering the the era for what it's from, the Attitude Era, is how kind of unremarkable it is. Like I did a little bit of. 
uh, not much, but a little bit of research into backstage stories, shoot interviews. Uh, we both listened to the something to wrestle with episode about this. And there's not a whole lot of like really meaty backstage stories about this show other than really Stone Cold getting knocked out early in his match against Undertaker. That's really the kind of the extent of it. Yeah, it's the, most of that episode, most of the podcast that we listened to focused more on how much WWE at that point was able to capitalize off their IP financially. Yeah. Um, you know, stories about, you know, they, they were getting into the hotel business. They're trying um, to, yeah. They're trying to. Uh, there, there was talk about, you know, branded condoms, all sorts of licensed merchandise that they basically would never, they wouldn't say no to any of it. Um, and why would they? Uh, because at that point, business was probably better than at any point mm-hmm. in history, maybe even since then. I mean, I don't know exactly. I mean, I know that like dollar wise right now with all the TV deals, you know, that they're they're financially better off than they've ever yeah. been. But yeah. uh, but back then, like certainly it was a, it was a massive boom time. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if <clears throat> if they had. It's an interesting sort of come between storms because it was only a couple months later that the rock became world champion yeah it was november yeah and you know things were really hot and crazy around all that survivor series and stuff um i don't remember i guess it was it was january of the next year that mankind won the title on raw i think it was january 4th or something like that fourth i believe yeah and and so like at this point it kind of just felt like this the show honestly just feels like they're kind of coasting on their own success because even so I went back and I watched the raw prior or I watched like most of like bits and pieces. I was sort of going through it now. Thank you know, thankfully, uh, as a couple of weeks ago, I could do this without fear of uh, getting on Peacock and this either not being there or it being completely censored. There is nothing really here that needed to be censored. There was nothing really controversial about any of this stuff. So like prior to this, like on the raw on the go home to raw, it was like under the big story was like Undertaker and Kane. Mm-hmm. We're now allies. Mm-hmm. The brothers had come together and Vince McMahon was very happy about this. And so he was taking it to think, okay, well, I know that Taker's going to win because Kane's going to help him. And so the go, it was so one of those really forced McMahon things like ruthless aggression. In this case, it was the entire episode. He kept on repeating undertaker. Are you my friend or foe? He would just say that relentlessly undertaker. Friend or foe, I need your decision by the end of the show. So he comes out at the end of the show, friend or foe. Like, are you going to align with me and make life easier on yourself? Yeah. Or are you going to be difficult like Stone Cold Steve Austin? There is one thing, I guess. There's one kind of interesting bit uh, about all that is that apparently The Undertaker did not want to be a heel during this particular phase. Yes. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I I read some bits about Vince Russo uh, being upset about that to a degree because he thought the main event match didn't have any heat because there was nobody for the crowd to boo in it. You got Taker, who even at that point in 1998, about seven, eight years into his WWE career, was established as a, as a, as a force. Mm-hmm. Fans, if nothing else, appreciated the legacy of The Undertaker even at that point. And, and you got Stone Cold, the hottest thing going in all of wrestling at that point. Who is the crowd going to boo? Yeah, they really, they really should have somehow convinced mark to to heal up because the, the the match i think the match did lack i mean yeah you had it was kind of interesting undertaker starting to do his sort of proto american badass where he's like you know what kane i don't need you 
I'm going to do this solo. Um, but he was never going to get cheered over Austin. That was no. never going to happen. No. And I just no. don't see the point of having, you know, one the like the hottest baby face ever. At that point, you need to be throwing everything at him, you know, and the nastier, the better. And that yeah. I mean, I, I do think that like, yeah, th- this probably would have been a lot better had there really been a strong like I mean, if they had just pulled the trigger, I guess, on the ministry, on the corporate ministry early. I don't know. Some sort of alliance to really screw over Stone Cold Steve Austin because this just sort of felt like another day. It felt like, you know, it didn't it feel kind of special. Felt like, it kind of felt like a match that could have been on Raw. It did. Interestingly enough, on the go-home episode of Raw as well, there was a Hell in a Cell match between Mankind and Kane, but uh, it didn't. Re- there, there was no finish there because Austin came out, stunned everybody, uh, and was going to stun Taker, but uh, the Undertaker climbed up the top of hell in a cell. And you could tell he was very nervous about that. He was up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause this was, uh, it was, this was after, this was after King of the Ring 98. That's when Foley got tossed off. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It was only a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> Foley got thrown off the top of the cage. He got tossed off. Yeah. He tossed him off. Undertaker totally <laughs> tossed him off. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Undertaker was up there. He's like, I've been here before. I don't want to be the one falling down on my ankle again. Yeah. It hurts so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so at the end, I'll just I'll just wrap up this this raw sure. talk here. Raw talk. Um, at the end of Raw, Undertaker had like this really long winded promo where he's obviously improvising. Mean, back then, I think everybody improvised anyways, but I, I less improv improvisation and more just like uncertain as to how to handle his character. Like I want to be a face, but I really don't want. I don't want to be a heel, but I I can't. You know. And so, uh, so he, yeah, he, he drops all these cheesy catchphrases. Everybody just seemed to be phoning in this last segment here, except for Vince. Vince comes out and he's friend or foe. Instead, Undertaker choke slam him. So foe, evidently, because um, I maybe Taker saw just how much crowd pop just doing shit to Vince would, you know, got got Austin, and so he mm-hmm. did that and crowd mm-hmm. pop for it. So Austin shows up to like basically confront Taker. But Kane attacks, so Austin goes up the ramp, and he drops a promo, which is, it's the most phoned in. It's every cliche, now listen, I'm going to take your ass, and I'm going to beat your ass. It's like he had already said ass once, and so he, he got self-conscious. It was like a weirdly self-conscious promo from Stone Cold. That's interesting. Where he, I think he just felt that he can go out there and say whatever he wanted, and it would just come from, you know, it would just flow, and the people yeah. would eat it up. And they did, but it was so awkward. It's like, all right, Undertaker, I'm going to, at SummerSlam this Sunday, I'm going to take your ass and I'm going to eat your ass. Uh, And then like this really cheesy trail of fire went up the ramp that Austin didn't even notice was there because he just sort of stepped back. And Shawn Michaels was on commentary. He was like a guest commentator or something. And he was like, oh, whoa, look at all that. Look at that fire right there. Look at that fire. Does Austin even know it's there? Because <laughs> he literally steps in it and doesn't pay it. He doesn't. He's got his boots on, so he like he doesn't see that there's fire like on his foot right now. Yeah, it was weird. really really cheesy. That's really weird. Yeah, it was a lame go home episode. A really yeah. lame go home. Well, I guess episode. it's a it's a pattern established by WWE going on uh, twenty plus years then. <laughs> pretty much yeah How often have they really failed to deliver on go home episodes well we don't need to go into to complete match by match breakdowns yeah no. uh just anything that kind of seems interesting we could talk about uh the show kicked off with a hype package for the show 
uh, kind of, you know, uh, encapsulating the story. Uh, as you mentioned in the beginning, Kane and Undertaker, they were in some sort of alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince was really hyping up Undertaker as the next champion, saying Kane was by his side. Therefore, he has to be champion. What's noteworthy here is Taker kind of not really turning heel. Yet Kane, firmly heel. Super heel. Yeah. Super heel. In fact, a lot of the stuff on this show really sort of, I'm not going to say he was confused, but some of the stuff just seemed really confused about, okay, on one hand, you've got X-Pac defending the honor of Howard Finkel. On the other hand, you've got his stablemates in DX totally being fine, like, you know, having no honor when it comes to ripping the crap out of mankind, yeah. uh, gleefully destroying him on route to taking. And then you have taking... Triple H working face. Total in, in baby match. face. Yeah, so, total yeah, baby it's, face. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice that the SummerSlam 98 theme song had a distinct NWO theme vibe to it? I heard that a lot after I watched it. I didn't notice it when I was watching it, but I had heard that as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, the NWO yeah. was really popular. so It was. Well, so was DX. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to talk about the 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 the, the musical performance by the DX band before oh, the, the letter match and and featuring Triple H. <laughs> yeah, because he he wanted to get in on that, dude. Oh. I'm telling you, man, how close are we to Triple H just starting a band? I mean, he's already probably 52, 53 years old. Yeah, uh, I feel like he just needs to to do it finally. Just start a metal band. He just start he's a, so a metal loves... cover band. You can play you can play in places or you know around uh, Stamford. All bars. the Lemmy, all the Motorhead covers you want. Go ahead and do it. Just get it out of your system because every time he loves these these live uh, band entrances, and yeah. he always loves to be up there like he's uh yeah that was great stuff. I like the uh the the I, and I like that I love that Conrad brought this up because I noticed it as well. Uh, the uh, the entrance. So it's a Madison Square Garden. So obviously it's not like you know. I mean, I know SummerSlam still runs out of arenas, but you know they're mu- they're much more elaborate. Yes. Uh, in this case, it was just that one tunnel, and they had it they they had it lit up with uh, not tunnel, but like you know you have all those fans. It was like a very like what is it's a tunnel it's a thin that ramp. Like, yeah. I would assume the tunnel where you know during, during the tunnel was games, behind. Yeah. Is the, is the, the players from take that route to go to the locker room. And yeah, they had like mm. a gate up and they had, you know, like a SummerSlam sign. There's some, some like red, red light behind it. Going on smoke. back there. But, but uh, Pritchard was complaining about he didn't like it because hard cam was facing the entrance. He said mm. he didn't like it because he'd always see people kind of milling by security oh, guards yeah. leaning against the guardrail. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You know, maybe not aware that they're going to be on camera during the course of the show. They're people that have to do their jobs, so it's how I picture the gates. It. It's how I picture the gates of hell to be. To be honest with you, you know, you get down there, you've been sent down, you, you did your time in purgatory. They're like, yeah, no, you're crap. You need to go down there. And then you get to hell, and like at the gates, there's like just a bunch of security guards sort of milling about. Yeah, I'm like, why? Why are you a security guard to hell? Like nobody should want to be here. Like you're just going to scare more people off. Where am I going to go? Yeah. Remember, like this is hell. What does it mean? What do, what do we have to do here? People are sent here. They're damned. <laughs> They're damned. Secure. What do you have to secure? Like it seems like it should just be a free for all in there. <laughs> How do I get your job just to mill about the outside gates of hell? Because it's probably a lot worse going in there. It probably is. That's a fair point. Fair point. Uh, the first match of the night, uh, Val Venus making his pay per view debut mm. or first title shot. Hello. Sorry, first title shot uh, against D'Lo Brown. This is his first European title defense on pay per view. Uh, this is the time when D'Lo was not only wearing the chest protector, which was a great gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was every every show, every match. He was hailing from a different uh, city in Europe. Tonight, uh, this night, SummerSlam '98, he was hailing from Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> from Helsinki, exactly. It was great. I love I love this very phase clever. of D'Lo. Yeah. Uh, 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 like the the implementation of the chest protector was always great. It was always there to protect him. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I watching this. It's it's hard not to think about Roman Reigns and his uh, vest phase. Yeah, I think there was one person, Kevin Owens, I believe it was, who chopped the vest and shook his hand. Yeah. Otherwise, no one acknowledged the idea that the 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 vest might give Roman some sort of competitive advantage. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy that you know Kevin Owens has always been the kind of guy who he he acknowledges. And relishes the ridiculousness in wrestling, but he also respects certain things that should be logical. Mm-hmm. And he shuns stuff that don't seem logical. And that is an exact example of that. That's why I love Kevin Owens so much. He's great. He I great. mean, he, you know, when he has to do a face turn, it's like, okay, well, this needs to be motivated. They're not going to give me motivation. So I'm, I guarantee he's the one who came up with, well, you know what? Uh, that you know, I I got I was isolated through my behavior when I was mm-hmm. a bad guy, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to do things different. I'm trying to do things better now. Trying to atone um, for his previous mistakes. Yeah, uh, the great thing about D'Lo here, of course, is like everything you just said. But he really, and they they put this over on the pod on on something to wrestle with it as well. And it was always obvious this dude was brought in to basically be uh, another body for a faction. He was and a CPA. He was a CPA before this. He was a CPA, and but he was a good worker. He came from, uh, I think, Cornette's, uh, uh, probably uh, Smoky Mountain, uh, I think. Smoky Mountain, yeah. 
And he shows up and he's able to carve out a niche for himself where he's able to, to a degree, break out of what would just be another muscle guy, you know, routine. I mean, that was a great thing. Like there was so much talent in the nation of domination. They all mm-hmm. sort of did that to their, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, in, in wrestling often, you'll see factions where they just bring in dudes to sort of mill about in the background and they don't break out. D'Lo definitely broke out and it was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, this match was actually pretty solid. Um, yeah, it was it a had, solid match. Yeah, it had a bit of a weird finish. So, of course, Val uh, uh, rips off D'Lo's chest protector. Well, before uh, that, before the match, of course, Val Venus comes out and he drops okay. probably the laziest innuendo laden promo where he just says, I came to New York and then I came again. And that was pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And it's like the lazy. It's like, you know, he used to be, if I recall correctly, I mean, maybe this is my college age mind thinking that it was clever sometimes this stuff no not clever uh from what i can recall i don't think it was early i mean as you said for us probably in our early 20s we thought it was clever it's like oh he he talked about a hot dog i think he's talking about a penis (laughs) 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 it's so funny (laughs) yeah no Uh, if you watch it now you're like there's nothing clever about this problem (laughs) well this was like especially lazy though yeah there was not even any metaphors involved it was just i came to new york and i came again okay yeah Yeah. uh so yeah the the deal of course he had that chest protector because apparently he had a rib injury but it was like a month's old injury he was wearing the chest protector because it helped him. Oh, yeah, uh, it was great. It was great. It's a great storyline. Um, so, yeah, at one point, Val is trying to work over Delo's chest. Like, he punches it or, or, or chops it in a cell in his hand. Uh, he's attacking Delo's ribs. Um, and, and the finish saw Val get the upper hand, eventually rip the chest protector off Delo. Mm-hmm. Uh, hits him with a power slam. He puts the chest protector on. And the Vince is, or like, the ref's like, no, 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 you can't do that. It's breaking the rules, which doesn't make a ton of sense but okay so val no, the refing up- in this made zero sense whatsoever. zero sense so the ref so val goes to the top rope and the ref literally grabs his ankle yeah to prevent him from doing the splash val yeah. slips off delo hits the atomic drop clothesline and the ref is still yelling at val you gotta lose the chest protector and so val shoves the ref across the ring mm-hmm. uh delo wins by dq and afterwards val body slams the ref and then hits him with the money shot yeah, because everybody needed to see. We needed to see the money shot, uh, keep him looking strong. And so you basically Nick Patrick the ref uh, for like virtually no reason whatsoever. Um, I mean, what was the reason? Oh, because he had the chest protector on. That's why okay. yeah. he grabbed yeah. his leg. Yeah, that was really silly. I gave the, but otherwise it was a pretty solid match. I yeah. gave it two stars, Larson. Uh, not too far away. I have all the Melter ratings here as well. Uh, Dave gave this one and three quarters, so I wasn't too far off from the wrestling observer himself. If it, if it weren't for the finish, I would have I would have probably graded it higher. Just the finish it was fairly illogical. I think this was like it was like a solid. It was like a yeah. solid. This solid was, opening bout. It was yeah. This would have probably. I mean, with this finish, it should have been on Raw. Like again, probably. you're just sort of. It's crazy that this match was even on a card like SummerSlam. I mean, these days you just think because the ro- there's so many people on the roster, like every match on SummerSlam or a WrestleMania really matters. Yeah. Back then it was like, hey, European title match. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, this is a time when, when you know, they didn't have the depth of talent like they do yeah, now. Yeah, right, yeah. There and were so other the companies out there. had to be on the pay-per-view <laughs> card, you know? <laughs> there were at least two other major yeah. promotions in the United yeah. States. Uh, afterwards, Michael Cole has a Stone Cold update. Apparently, Austin, Austin, 
oh, destroyed dude, the Hurston Heat. Yeah. But uh, Mankind and I think Kane weren't in the car. Uh, mm -hmm. Mankind, or, or sorry, man, uh, Kane and Undertaker, I think. And Mankind is, is getting on Austin about destroying his ride. Uh, so he's going to put Kane in there after their match to maybe he'll use his sledgehammer tonight after all. Later on, uh, Mankind has a great bit with Vince. Yeah, no, that, that was, that was really good. Um, yeah, kind of crazy. Also back then, a lot of stuff happened on heat, which is basically a de facto kickoff show. Like they would yeah, set up entire angles for live. The yeah, they would, they would do, they'd actually do like essential stuff. You actually had to watch it. <laughs> I uh, mean, they would that, recap everything. So that was, they nice. would, but it, yeah, uh, this next match was far and away the worst match of the entire card. The oddities versus Kai and Ty. Yeah. So it's it, Kai and Ty is filled with, with, with guys who could work. Dick yeah. Togo, Taka, Funaki, uh, Teo, they could all work. And it's a bummer they were stuck in a, a, a pretty lousy comedy gimmick. Yeah. It's funny because I gave this, I don't know, I gave this the I gave this also two stars. Really? Meltzer gave it negative two. I here's the thing. I kind of like the comedy of this. And Kai and Ty were really funny physical uh wrestlers here, like doing the physical comedy stuff. But it was a it was an absolutely nothing match. But yeah, seeing uh, seeing seeing uh, uh, Kurgan dancing around was pretty funny. Um, yeah, well, yeah, like the first time, the first time him doing that's great. But that, like he did, that's all he did. Yeah, that's all was, he did. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He, he, he was getting new. Did you did you see the little beast? Probably doesn't deserve two stars. I'll, I'll wreck on that one. One star. No, it doesn't. Zero stars. More. <laughs> did I see what? Uh, 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 there was a, a clip going around Twitter of a PWG match between El Generico and Dick Togo. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah, I know. It was rad. It was, it was awesome. Great. Dick Togo's great. Yeah, man. Uh, the spoiler. Anyways, this match is not great. I love when JR says early on that no, on commentary, no one's expecting this one to be a classic. Yeah, Way JR, to lower expectations, yeah. JR. He was uh, pretty brutally honest with some of this. Um, yeah, I mean, look. I mean, there's that moment where Golga lines everybody up and gives them, like, you know, a four-person clothesline. That was pretty clever. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, no, this is all... Uh, you know, they were all like very fast working, you know, I don't know. I, th I thought they were kind of fun in this match. I know it's like, you know, it's easy to crap on this match because it's, it's bad and there's no stakes and it doesn't mean anything, but the freaks were oddly over. Um, no, not the freaks. They're oddities. The oddities. The oddities. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's fascinating to look back at stuff in this particular time period and see how uh, uh, over South Park was. Oh my gosh. South Park was everywhere. Everywhere. Every Cartman was on every T-shirt. And I still remember being like, yeah, that's not really my thing. I was like, I was so let, like left out of the South Park thing. I was like, I miss Beavis and Butthead. That was my jam. Yeah, I, I like Beavis need, and I don't Butthead need South Park. But even I, South Park's cl very clever. They're very yeah, smart guys. Yeah. Um, sure. The guys doing that. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, it was fun. I mean, again, when you see, you know, uh, uh, Taka uh in there it's like you just think man this guy can do so much more than this silliness uh dick togo he was a lot of fun i didn't really know much about teo um and of course obviously like half of the com like lawler's commentary was like I, I don't know what he even said but right here i said good lord lawler i i don't know what that was in regards to but it was probably something really insensitive um but uh but yeah you know what i really appreciated about uh, the oddities though Hmm. Is sort of like one of the unsung members of Golga. That mask of his was creepy as hell. It was like flesh-colored, weird flesh mech mask. Super tight. 
it was like almost like raw gate mutant. It was, it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of, it was very creepy. It's probably I, very uncomfortable to wrestle. Them. I kind of wonder if they had never figured out the whole, Hey, let's put them with the insane clown posse and make them kind of a baby face act. If Golga could have been, I don't I mean, I don't think that cause it was John Tenta under the mask. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he had like, if they'd ever planned to have, give him like, I guess Kane would be a good example. Could he have been, not in terms of like Kane's athleticism, because for a big man, Kane could do all all sorts of cool stuff in the ring. Pretty compelling backstory they gave him. But like in terms of being a really creepy character, could Golga had ever could he ever gone down that route? Well, first thing you have to do is lose the Cartman shirt. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like if they had done that, like could he have been a really creepy guy? Like I feel like he immediately came in and he was just part of the oddities. I don't remember his backstory. Yeah, I don't recall either. <clears throat> I don't recall either. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like uh, the, the oddities had some interesting characters, but like apart from Tenta, I didn't find any any of them like compelling wrestlers. Kurgan had a great look. Kurgan could have been like, yeah, you know, and he's probably a, a mildly better wrestler than like the great Kali. Um, yeah. But Giant Silva, he could he could barely move. Yeah. Like I, that guy, he barely got into I mean, the ring. Also, uh, uh, Tenta and then Luna. Luna Vachon was great. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's He's terrific. Great. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I and you have to appreciate, like, it's funny because I even wrote their name down here as the Freaks, but they totally come off as an homage to Todd Browning's Freaks, the 1930-something movie, mm-hmm. um, where they're like, you know, you just, you you side with them because they are, you know, outcasts. And, uh, and you know, and it's now they're lovable because they're wearing Cartman shirts. So anyways, yeah, Meltzer gave this negative two stars. It wasn't a good match. It wasn't a good match. <laughs> it wasn't a good match. It wasn't it a star match. <laughs> uh, after that, I thought this match was pretty solid. Jeff Jarrett, Andy Great mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. X-Pac. X-Pac. Hair versus hair bout. Uh, X-Pac comes to the ring with Howard Finkel because uh, Jeff Jarrett shaved his head in the lead up to this bout. Uh, and then Finkel proceeds to do maybe the worst crotch chop ever. Oh, dude, this was it was cringy. And I know everybody loves Finkel. I get that, but like this is like the least DX thing possible. Like I was just watching a Raw from like '97 where the original DX were in the ring, like doing strip poker, and like this is the furthest thing from that. I mean, to be honest with you, what 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 they did, what the New Age Outlaws did later on, is sort of more akin to what DX is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, hey, mm-hmm. screw you guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, so X Pac is basically trying to like restore Howard Finkel's honor. It's a hair match. Double uh, Jeff Jarrett has Southern Justice with him. Mm-hmm. Um, the Godwins. Uh, yeah, the Godwins. Exactly. Wait, was it the? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was the Godwins. Yeah. I always get. Was, I always. Uh, yeah. Whenever. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. Mark Canterbury and Midian. Yeah. Midian, but it's clothed Midian in this. Yes, case. not not naked Midian. Not yet. Yeah. That was otherwise this down the line. This is actually a really good match, though. It was a fun match. It was really good. Yeah. We had, uh, let's see here. Yeah, even, dude, X-Pac selling. Like, I remember this, like, Jeff Jarrett, even just whipping Xbox X-Pac into the corner, like, the sell on that, just completely destroying himself in, on the on the ring post there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was cool. And they, there was even, that's right, there was even, like, a series of sleeper hold spots that weren't boring. Yeah. They, they weren't boring. And the, it's funny because, like, I got the feeling they, like, had, like, a super hot mic and the top turnbuckles because whenever anybody would hit one, you just hear a big dunk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
the finish of this so uh, so southern justice comes down the ringside after kind of like walking backstage uh and so canterbury is distracting the ref uh, midian swings at uh x-pac with a guitar misses and then x-pac gets the guitar hits Jarrett with it gets the win now jeff Jarrett has to lose his hair so mm. new age outlaws come out makes sense they're in dx mm-hmm. draws and headbangers and the headbangers are out as well mm-hmm. uh, so they're all holding Jarrett down in a chair x-pac takes some uh battery operated clippers which bruce pritchard didn't like He's very clear about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, those, like the batteries ran out or wasn't powerful enough to cut hair, so they had to get scissors out. Yeah. And then the whole time, uh, Double J was getting his hair cut. He was just complaining about X-Pac. X-Pac using the guitar to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but nobody uh, in kayfabe liked Jeff Jarrett, so they're all like... It didn't matter. Off. Yeah. It didn't matter. On yeah. deaf ears. Yeah. Uh, next, we had a quick shot of Method Man Ooh, well, in the crowd. Don't you want to know the Dave Meltzer rating for this match? Oh, what do you give it? It was three stars. That's about right. I gave it two and a half stars. So again, I was very close to I'd being... I'd say three stars. I'd say yeah. three stars. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Method Man was in the crowd. Yes. Wearing some uh, DX gear. He was loving X-Pac's theme song as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after that, we have doot, doot, doot. Doot, doot, doot. Doc Hendricks introducing the Lions Den Cage. Ooh, that match like happened. It's like a later theater of people there, ready for the Lions Den, and they got to watch the rest on what was sure to be a relatively small, by today's standards, anyways, uh, screen, TV yeah. screen, or yeah, projection screen, whatever the hell they used yeah. back then. Yeah, uh, Michael Cole then interviews The Rock. Uh, this is pretty basic rock stuff, as you mentioned earlier. It kind of seemed like everybody's kind of going through the motions a bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Cole shows a uh, footage from Heat of the Rock hit Triple H with the uh, Intercontinental title on the back of his knee, and then the Rock just threatens to slap the yellow off Michael Cole's teeth and wonders how Triple H is going to climb the ladder with one bad leg. It's funny how quickly <clears throat> the Rock was able to phone in a brilliant promo. Because, again, when I was going back and watching some of the 97 Raws, I watched one when he was still being referred to as Rocky Maivia, but he had already joined the nation. He was sort of mm-hmm. the, the, the focal point. I think he was probably Intercontinental. Maybe he was Intercontinental Champion or was about to challenge for it. I think it was towards the tail end of his, his him and Stone Cold uh, fighting for it. Gotcha. And, uh, and he was stumbly over his words. He was like, oh, yeah, St- Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, uh, he's going after the, the, the Intercontinental Champion. And he was he was kind of stumbly because he was still finding his voice. Mm-hmm. But like a year later, this dude was like automatic and it was brilliant stuff across the board, mm-hmm. even when he was sort of phoning it in. Um, yeah, guarantee T, I'm the people's champ, the people's choice, smell what the rock is, all that great stuff. Yeah. Back to the jabronis at ringside. Uh, next up, we had Mark Marrow and Jacqueline versus sable and mystery opponent you think you know me you know me that's edge edge is old theme yeah yeah i'm trying to remember how it goes now you think you know me you think you know me uh yeah edge nobody seemed to care about edge 
No. Uh, he was just a dude. Was this his, de- was this his, uh, his pay-per-view debut? His pay-per-view debut. It might have been his debut match. It might have been his first match. He was only in the stands before this. They had yeah. video vignettes, and, had and then the, he was the in the stands. Yeah. This is probably his debut match, yeah. I mean, it took a little while. Like, the Hardys hadn't been. I don't think the Hardys were were introduced until a little bit later than this, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. And so, like, you know, pairing him with Christian probably can like the uh, the brood. I don't think they came to like a little bit later because remember, so, they tried to make Edge a singles guy and then yeah. they put him with the brood because, you know, yeah. Christian and yeah. then him and Christian just took off, you know, and Gangrel sort of fell to the side. So apparently he had one TV, TV match before this. Ah, OK. Um. So, yeah, nobody really cared about it, but everybody did care about Sable mm-hmm. Um. again, you know. I thought that this was uh I thought this was decent like comedy stuff. Like they sort of kept it to what they what they needed it to be. I mean, the entire thing was carried by Mark Merrow and Jacqueline. Yeah. They were just chock full of personality. Jacqueline, mm-hmm. obviously a terrific wrestler. Mark oh, Merrow yeah. is always a fun wrestler and he's got loads of charisma. Yeah, he does. Um but uh but yeah, so Sable gets on the mic, she introduces Edge. Um we get uh Let's see here. I'm trying to see where this goes. Jackie just dodging Sable. We get a lot of Marrow and Edge to start. Uh, Jackie tries to grab Edge's foot off the ropes. Marrow takes the advantage. Jackie slaps Edge with the ref distracted. Uh, let's see here. Where do we go for the finish? Uh, so Mero oh, Edge, actually... Edge hits that huge fun splash on Marrow, like yeah. to the outside. And yeah, then he goes, great. he gets, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes to the outside. Marrow hits Jackie off the apron after Edge moves out of the way. Jackie accidentally splashes Marrow and lands like head first on his nuts. That's right. You have mm-hmm. to do the spot where the yeah nuts come into play. Edge hits what is it called? The downward spiral? Yeah, it's a flatliner essentially. Yeah, on Marrow, followed by like a, a Frankensable on Marrow. They do like a Frankensteiner move. Yeah. And uh and then Sable pins Mark Marrow for the win. I thought I don't know, I was entertained by it. It was. It was an entertaining match. Mm-hmm. What'd you give this one, Steve? I gave it two and a quarter. Sounds fair. Yeah. Sounds fair. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, yeah, this Meltzer Meltzer only gave it one and a half. I don't think he was huge into the Sable stuff. Yeah. No, I think I think you got it right. Uh, we get a Michael Cole interview or Michael Cole interviewing Mankind, uh, and Cole tells Mankind that Kane isn't showing up tonight. Asks, "Will you forfeit the tag titles?" Mick Foley just says, "Maybe," but I don't want to disappoint the people. I want to give people their money worth, money's worth. You know, it says Madison Square Garden, so on and so forth. Vince steps in. Uh, and Mick's like, I'm going to get killed out there, Vince. And Vince reminds Foley that he hitchhiked to Madison Square Garden for shows. He was there when Snuka jumped off the cage on the Don Morocco. Um, it's history. It is, this is where he belongs. And Vince says, I have an idea. I might be crazy. If you can defend the tag tiles by yourself at Madison Square Garden, then Mick, you will be in the Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame by next week. <laughs> and Vince says, or Foley says, I have no weapons, though. So Vince goes and looks for one. And then Foley keeps talking. It's just along the lines of, uh, immortality is something I'm very interested in. Immortality is something I'm very interested in, Michael Cole. Oh, it was great. Uh, and then uh, it says, tonight, Mankind is going to successfully defend the tag titles against two people. And then Vince walks up with like a, a, a serving platter yeah. and a candelabra. <laughs> Candelabra, yeah. He's Vince like, and, you could tell Vince is having so much. You know, Vince it's, and Foley it, had great chemistry. Always they did. had amazing chemistry, and it's the kind of thing where, to me, it reminds me a little bit of Vince's 
love, because you can tell Vince really loves Daniel Bryan and he really loves uh, Kevin Owens. Two guys who don't fit the traditional bill of guys that Vince McMahon really would love. And I think he just, I think deep down, I think Vince really does love professional wrestling. I mean, I showed you that clip the other day, or I sent you that clip of, of him talking to Hulk Hogan in like 1980. And Vince is talking like, oh, the sweet science of wrestling. That's what yeah, it's it all good. about. It's really good. And it's like, <clears throat> deep down, I think Vince McMahon, he understands that the entertainment BS that he is putting on these days is what brings in the money. At least in his head, he understands this is what makes me money. But I think deep down, he's like, he just loves pro wrestling. And I think Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan, I just, I get the feeling that they appeal to that side of him. And that's why mm -hmm. he always has. And I wonder if it was the same thing as Foley. Foley didn't look like your normal pro wrestler, but Vince seemed to love him so much. And maybe it was because Foley would do anything for professional wrestling. Uh, and, that's, and that's a couple of things that, that Vince, you know, we've heard appreciates his loyalty, his dedication. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. hard work. Yeah. You know, Undertaker's talked about that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and Foley, during his time at WD, that's what he was. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he was asked to do something. He did it, you know? Also, I wonder if it was just, you know, maybe Foley was just a really smart guy. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying other people are stupid, but it's like he's like the kind of guy who is so smart, he stands out. And so it might be the kind of guy, well, Vince knows he can talk to him, you know, and he's not going to get... A bunch of you know gibberish back, um, and so maybe it's that. But they had they had terrific chemistry, yeah. Because he was all hyping about, come on, man, come on, man, this is history. Come on, you're going to be in Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame by next week. And he you see, he runs back there and he's feverishly looking for something. Yeah, it's no holds barred. It's your kind of match, Mick. And he comes with the can candelabra and the and the and the serving plate. Oh, it was great stuff, yeah. Great. And he says, if they don't like that, I got 13 words for you. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? God, Foley was so good. <laughs> he was so he was good. so damn good. Yeah. Uh, after that, we had a Lion's Den match. Uh, hype package. I forgot that Dan Severn was Owen Hart's coach. Dude, this match was so much better than I, than I, I remember it being. I know. This was actually a really solid match. People were um, really into Shamrock too. Like he I was, know. he was so over at the time. And I wonder, it just makes you wonder, dude, if, if they could have somehow, and who knows, who knows what was going on backstage. I always sort of go to that when I'm like, oh, I wonder why they didn't push a guy more. Uh, you know, if they had run with that sort of UFC type thing, don't make him talk too much. Uh, but I wonder how far he could have gone. I mean, I know so much of wrestling as personality based and back yeah. then. They had so many great personalities who they were so also huge good personalities. Wrestlers. And Ken Shamrock, despite all his strengths, was never a huge personality. That's to that's totally true. But in this environment, he was great. He yeah, was he was great. great. This was physical. They they used the cage creatively. Um, you know, there's no ropes on it. Obviously, with a smaller uh, ring area. Yeah. Um, but you know, they they did some usual pro wrestling moves, but they did a great job of using of doing stuff where they bounce off the cage and jump off the cage. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were they were really smart about how they utilized the space they were working in. That's a testament, I guess, to to how good workers Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock were. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can yeah, you can tell they probably spent a lot of time figuring out what works and what doesn't yeah, work, you know. Definitely, definitely. Uh to finish this, uh Ken Shamrock uh uh, uh get locked into a dragon sleeper and he kind of walks up the cage to break break it up and then sinks in an ankle lock on Owen and Severn's got a towel there, he's watching it. And he just does this. 
taps out. <laughs> taps. That's the most Dan Severn thing. Uh, I, I noticed this before the match, too. He was trying to give Owen a fist bump, and Owen didn't see it. <laughs> and he held it out, and he like grabbed him and brought him back to make sure he gave oh, him the fist great. bump. He was not going to be denied the fist no, bump. He was not going to be humiliated, awesome. even accidentally. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not well, you're not leaving me uh, holding the bag, Hanging. dude. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, after that, we had a Stone Cold interview. He talks about not trusting anybody. So he respects Undertaker more than anyone, but he's not afraid to cheap shot him if that's what it's going to take to keep the title. Uh, he says he won't give Vince the satisfaction of seeing the WWF championship on anyone else. Uh, you have to appreciate Austin here. Uh, a bit phoned in, but also... I guess trying to maybe respect Undertaker's wishes to not be a heel. Yeah. <laughs> because when, when you talk about somebody else, oh, I respect the Undertaker. Well, if Undertaker was like a, a real nasty heel here, like he should have been, you know, it probably would have been a different promo. But he's like, oh, I'm not afraid to cheap shot him. Keep my hands on the title. It, you know, it just, there's not a lot of heat going on here. No, there's not. Not Two all. guys who were trying to get a lot of heat, New Age Outlaws. Uh, again, South Park, uh, 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 the road dog was wearing a, like a Cartman shirt. I yeah, think it's a Cartman shirt. Yeah. Uh, this was, uh, it started off pretty strong for Foley immediately going in with the cookie sheet, hitting everybody with that him and Billy Gunn trading blows, but eventually, you know, the numbers game, uh, plays into it for the new age outlaws. We get cookie sheets, uh, pans, chairs, uh, mankind puts up a pretty good fight. He puts uh, Billy Gunn through a table. We get a power bomb spot through some chairs, a pile driver onto. Oh yeah, so that was the finish. A pile driver onto the tag title, uh, mm-hmm. got three for the New Age Outlaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a dumpster out full of stuff. So they, the New Age Outlaws, they go, they put, uh, they, they slam fully into the dumpster um, a few times, uh, and uh, dump them inside. Put the lids down. Lids opens back up. Kane is in the dumpster. Yeah. And with Mick Foley's sledgehammer, so then Kane raises up the sledgehammer very dramatically and adjusts it dramatically, fires it back Ooh. down. Idea being that he just hit Mick Foley with it. Uh, and then uh, JR absolutely loses his mind. Yeah. Loses yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, and then Kane gets out, closes the lid of the dumpster, and pushes it through the tunnel. Yeah, the outlaws, I mean, work obviously, you know, working this heel. And then even the promo when they put mankind in the garbage was like a really vicious, yeah, you so know, you're you garbage you is where you in the belong, garbage. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I gave this uh, two stars. Meltzer gave it one. I liked all the hardcore stuff in it. Yeah, it never overstayed its welcome. It was a really short match. It was really short. Yeah, it was. Um, so after that, we had Triple H versus The Rock. Now, uh, I did a little bit of research on this as well. I guess it's the only amount of controversy because I think in the build to this or just, I mean, DX and the nation always had their thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment that will almost definitely be cut from the Peacock service. And it was, of course, DX doing blackface uh, to, to parody the nation. Um, This was kind of interesting. So I got two different perspectives on this X-Pac and Godfather. Uh, so Godfather on the Wrestling Inc. podcast uh, said in terms of the the obvious implications that, you know, with the blackface stuff, he said, we didn't take it that way. It was just having fun. You look at it, you look back at it now and you're like, wow, that would never go across today. Back then, no one was thinking about it being racist. We didn't think that way. We were just having fun. Uh, X-Pac 
for his part, I think this is probably, I forget if this is in an interview or on his podcast. I don't know. I think it was in an interview. He said, uh, the only thing I can honestly say I really regret now is the blackface thing. I did not understand. He said, here's the thing. I consider myself pretty well for somebody that didn't go to high school, pretty well educated. I know a lot of things, but I never saw an actual minstrel show, a blackface thing. <coughs> Recently, I saw something about it and I was horrified, horrified at how mean spirited all that stuff was. I look at it way different now, but they were just fine with it. If you watch Table for Three with Godfather, Mark Henry and Ron Simmons, Mark even says, oh, you know, X-Pac even came back, didn't want to do it because he was afraid of the backlash and all that. And he said, I did. I was afraid. I was not happy about doing that. Everyone will tell you that. So uh, just sort of interesting to get different perspectives on that, because, I mean, a couple of people have talked about it uh, and that that sort of goes into the entire rivalry between D. It was it was obviously a big moment that everybody looks back on. It's like, oh, that's that's yeah. ugly. You know? Yeah, that's that, that. Yeah, that was that was bad, bad, mm. bad, bad. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about this. We had uh, a live DX performance. Oh, I like this. Were you not Real. into it? Yeah, no, I did. Because the performance itself was not good. Uh, like, it sounded like the, at certain points, uh, different members of DX band were playing different songs. That did uh, seem the case. The drummer, was, yeah, the, the, at, one, at one point, the beat was completely off. I wonder if it's a situation where they didn't have adequate monitors, whether it be in-ring, in-ear, something like that. So if that's the case... Uh, another aspect, Jim Johnson's out there playing one guitar. Uh, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he was. If you're watching, that. he's off to the left. Okay. And then there's the other guitar player. For whatever reason, one of the guitars is mixed really high, and there's no distortion on it. Mm. So you hear this real plucky. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. like, that's it's you know I can tell it's a DX song. <laughs> but it sounds like someone's just kind of yeah. a, a finger picking on a on a on an acoustic. Oh, essentially. that's funny. Yeah, and I'm like, this just sounds off. It's off. Yeah, yeah. And then you know the band starts destroying their equipment. Triple H gets on it, picks up a cymbal, and throws. Didn't it. Triple H like put uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? Uh, oh, he put the singer on his shoulders, didn't he? Chris? It's Chris something, I think. Yeah. yeah, he put him on his shoulders at one point. Yeah, and I know I think I think the 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 singer gave him or at least let him scream into the mic a couple times. Yeah. Um. I it thought was, it was it was a mess. Was I a thought, mess. yeah, I, I did think it was a mess. I liked it just because I like the spectacle of it. You know, they're out there. Uh, and I like sometimes I just appreciate bad. Um, I did. I do remember thinking that, yeah, that the drummer is off completely, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, this match was absolutely stellar. It was good. It was um, good. So I had always thought that Triple H actually and I think what it was, I'll have to go back and watch. But I think when Triple H, when remember when he did that sit down with Jr. Like mm -hmm. when the, he began his solo run. Mm -hmm. And again, this might be uh, I'm misremembering things because with this I misremembered a lot. I thought that immediately after this match he vacated the IC title and he came out to the ring on crutches and did it. That never happened. That didn't happen. Um. He wrestled for like a month after this match. He came yes. into this match with a bad Injured. knee. Yeah. I thought that when he came off the ladder and started selling his knee, I swear I thought that was legit. And it wasn't. He was just, that was just part of the story. Yeah. He had a and, mask. You could tell under his gear, he had a knee brace on that. that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think they brought up that moment in the sit down interview with JR. Mm. I think. 
I could once again be completely misremember- misremembering that. But uh, but yeah, I always thought for whatever reason in my head, I always thought that was like the big moment it was like, oh, my God, he busted his knee and he's not wrestling again for like months and months. But no, he wrestled like the next night, I think. And he was back like a month and a half later. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, didn't, think, he did not drop the title October or was back in November. He was not out long at all. No, yeah. No. They did no. like a little uh, tournament to uh to, to crown a new IC champion. Um, so of course the Rock, after hitting Triple H's leg during heat with the Intercontinental title, was concentrating his attack on the leg, uh, slamming between the ladder, uh, hammers the ladder with a chair, uh, bridges the ladder between the ring steps and the barricade, hits a shin breaker on it. Um, Triple H makes comebacks. Um, it was it was it was a. a uh, on something they wrestle with, they make a good juxtaposition between this match and the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon one. Of course, yeah. you know Shawn. You know by today's standards, it's it's not that crazy in terms of the high flying aspects of it. But at the time, that was something else, something we hadn't seen before. What was that? Ninety four, ninety five. That was WrestleMania ten, so it'd have been ninety four, I believe. Okay, so um, yeah, this is only four years, four years later, later, which is crazy to think. So as opposed to doing you know spots off the top of the ladder and whatnot. This is just a hard hitting physical match that was telling a good story. It tells them it tells a much more physical story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh down the line, uh towards the finish, China hands Triple H chair. Uh Rock charges with the ladder. Triple H decks the ladder with the chair, proceeds to beat down Rock with the chair while the ladder is on top of him. Rock comes back, slams Triple H on the ladder, falls with a people's elbow. Uh Triple H uh, does take a, a modest leap off the ladder. A rock catches him, hits a rock bottom, slowly climbs. And since he takes so long to climb, Triple H grabs him by his trunks, uh, yanks him off, mm-hmm. hits a pedigree. Uh, Mark Henry, who is ringside, throws some powder at Triple H's eyes. He blindly is climbing up. Mm-hmm. The rock climbs up too. Uh, he knocks Triple H down a few rungs. Uh, China comes in, low blows the rock, uh, and the Triple H climbs up, gets the belt. Rest and DX hit the ring to celebrate. Help, help Triple H out of the ring. What I like about this is that we get some exclusive Coliseum home video footage of The Rock walking backstage from the ring. You hear Pritchard, as he says, it's up to Russell with talking or calling for The Undertaker to go to gorilla position. <laughs> yeah. While The Rock walks to the trainer's uh, room, uh, The Rock says, I don't need any help. Talks to the camera, uh, tells Triple H there isn't anybody. Uh, who could be the people's champion? Anybody else could be the people's champ? Uh, he's the best uh, intercontinental t- t- champion there ever was. I love that while he's walking backstage, like you can't really tell unless you're paying attention, but he's obviously just completely himself. He's out of character because he's like talking to a trainer really quick. Mm-hmm. Camera follows him. And then as soon as like the light is sort of on and he's like doing his stuff and they're like, okay, Rock, we're going to do a promo. Like, oh, Triple H, you think that you're the best? No, you might have bested the rock tonight, but guess what? Uh, you're never going to be the people's champ. I'm tired of this title. I'm going to go to the world title now. Yeah. Only a couple more months, Rock. Mm-hmm. After that, we had our main event. Man, I miss this version of the Undertaker theme. It is phenomenal. It's really good. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I miss it. I understand the one they use now for him, or had been using is you know like some a version of his original theme i get it, it's iconic this one's just better in my opinion. yeah it is yeah i agree it's much it's more intense it's more urgent mm-hmm. no it's totally dramatic so uh yeah i mean the you know this match is fine um i have the quote here from stone cold because you mentioned at the top of the show kind of the only thing of real note here is that austin like legitimately gets knocked out mid-match 
Uh, I have the quote. Yeah. I have the uh, yeah yeah. Uh, I have the quote here from Austin when he's talking about it. I think it's from his uh, podcast. One he talked about it a couple times. He says we we're out there trying to work our ass off, and prior to that match, I'm not the toughest guy in the world, but I've been never been knocked out in my life. That's all that Austin I'm going to do. He says, and part of the match, I hit the ropes. Undertaker goes for a backdrop. I kick him in his chest. He's going to straighten up and no sell it. And when he does, the back of his big ass head hits me right under the chin. And boom, knockout blow. He flashed me. <laughs> he flashed me. Never heard that before. That's great. He says, I went down on the mat. I was knocked out. I was only knocked out for maybe two or three seconds. All of a sudden, I'm laying on the mat on my back in Madison Square Garden. I don't know where I am. The referee that match was Earl Hebner. Hebner looks down at me. He kind of has his little grin on his face. He goes, God dang, boy, are you all right? I looked up at Earl. I said, where am I? He goes, God damn it, boy, you're in the garden. <laughs> so I get up and we continue the match. And one of my biggest disappointments in that match was that we were on our way to a hell of a match. And I got knocked out. From that point on, I don't remember the rest of that match. I remember laying on the table. I remember Taker getting on the top turnbuckle and dropping that leg. And I'm thinking, we kind of talked about it. I don't know if he's going to do it or not, but I was going to stay there anyway because that's what you do. But all of a sudden, that's one of the things I do remember that about that match was Undertaker taking a courageous bump there and dropping that leg off the top turnbuckle. I'm like, all right, this is going to be interesting. He lands. Everything crashes. We finish the match. Yeah. And they, you know, they brawl through the crowd for a stretch and... Uh, that is definitely the high spot. That leg drop off the off the top rope through the table. Yeah, totally. Um, but you know, if if a, you you know that spot where Stone Cold gets knocked out, you know, is that was an accidental bit, accidental headbutt, and Stone Cold just drops like a like a like a sack of rocks right there. Mm -hmm, yeah, but he gets right back up seemingly. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it 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 doesn't seem like he's out in his feet by a stretch of the imagination. Right. Watching right. The match. Yeah. 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 You like know, you've I'm not seen, trying to minimize yeah. the, the injury by a stretch of imagination, but you watch the match. And it's like, okay, this is a huge departure from your typical stone cold match. There are. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are degrees of, of concussed in the moment. Yes. Like we've yes. seen it with Matt Hardy at uh, the AEW pay-per-view. And it's yeah. like, Oh, this doesn't look safe. No, but I mean, you know, no less, you know, uh, so in this case, I, you could barely tell, you could barely tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more they could have done. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I'll have, I'd have to go back and watch like uh, uh, 15 and 17, but like his his last match against The Rock, I think was always my favorite Stone Cold Steve Austin match, hmm. just because they told such a beautiful story there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what popularly. I think is seventeen popularly 17, considered their best uh, one, even despite the the heel turn. Oh, it had the end. it had that finish. Yeah, it had but that. Are finish. you talking about nineteen? That's his last one. That's the last one he had against the Rock. No, nineteen was the last one. That's the one that I like the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Against yeah, yeah I'm talking because the Rock. The yeah, but, but people seem to like seventeen quite a bit with yeah. his match against the Rock. Also, yeah, yeah. Uh, but nineteen was always my my favorite one. I always thought that that was his best match. But even that being said, I I never considered Austin like a big match guy. I always knew because like he was, his matches were always, well, not always, but in the attitude era during his peak. Cause I mean, dude, he was only, you know, if you think about how long certain careers are, the fact that he came, he got hot. Let's even give him in 97, right from 97 until he retired in 2003. That's only six years. Mm -hmm. That's not a long time. Mm -hmm. And, a lot of that, the second half of that, was him gone. He was gone for nine months from 99 to 2000. 
Um, and then, you know, in 2002, he walked out. He was gone for a long time then. And then he came back for essentially one match to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, I never considered him like a big match guy, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get a five star match out of Stone Cold mm-hmm. Steve mm-hmm. Austin. And he even said, you know, he had to change his style quite a bit after he got dropped in his head by own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, who knows what he could have been doing. But he was I, always much more of a, I mean, I guess he was, he was well regarded as a, you know, that's what they gave him the ringmaster name. Mm-hmm, yeah. He was well regarded for his, his technical acumen in the ring. Mm-hmm. But know, being a character. brawler after the Owen Hart thing suited his character way more anyways. Yeah, it did. It did. But like in the, in, you know, at the heart of the attitude era, all of his stuff, because all of his stuff was overbooked anyways, you know, because he, his was the character that every, you had to throw a million things at. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why this match lacked a little bit too, because you know, midway through the match, Kane, or towards the finish, I think, Kane comes out and Taker waves him back. Kane, get out of here because we're going to do this one-on-one. Well, if you're not going to have, like, a bunch of crazy stuff happening, that's what the... Look at Mankind's title win. Yeah. My God, the entire roster's out there, yeah. including Stone Cold. Like, the biggest pop maybe he's ever had yeah. was in that moment because everybody knew that Mankind was about to win the title because of Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. No, I mean, I was never a huge... Austin match fan. I just loved his personality and the stories that they would tell with him. Yeah. Uh, anyways, finish this. Uh, so they hit a double clothesline on each other. Austin's up first. He goes on a bit of a run. Hits kind of a stunner. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker kicks out. Hits him with a choke slam. He's calling for the tombstone. However, Austin escapes that. He looks for a stunner. Taker blocks that. Uh, and then crotches Stone Cold over the top rope. Um, he goes up for old school. And uh, while he's up there, uh, Austin low blows him. He's kind of boxed out the refs. The ref can't see it. Uh, and then follows that with a stunner to get the win. Uh, afterwards, uh, Undertaker snatches the WWE title, act like he's going to clock Stone Cold with it. Instead, hands it with him, nods in his, gener- his general direction before taking his leave. Sign of respect. I have to pass this torch to you now. I know HBK already did, but now it's my turn to pass this torch. Um, Yeah, yeah, it it was what it was. Again, it sort of felt like they were, I don't know. I I just wonder if it's it's like, okay, well, we know Austin is a license to print money. We don't have to take a whole lot of risks here. Mm -hmm. Um, And on on top of that, you know, they had they had something big with the rock coming up. So maybe it was like, hey, we got it. We got a new toy on the way up here. We're going to mess with that for a little bit. I don't know. Um, so yeah. And then I don't know if you just mentioned this Kane comes out, the taker and Kane stand side by side to sort of mm-hmm. close the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meltzer gave this three and a half stars. I gave it three and a wow. half stars as well. Wow. Before I even rating. saw his right there with, uh, what'd you yeah, give the ladder match? What'd you probably should have just given this three to be honest. Oh, the ladder match. Pff, what didn't I give it? I gave it four and three quarters. That what was almost a damn near four and a quarter. Oh, okay. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter. All right. All right. Clearly it should have been a five star match, but mm-hmm. Didn't happen to go that Tokyo far. Dome. It's a really good match. It was really good. It was really good. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna do it for our SummerSlam 1998 review. Do we know what's? Oh, let me let me take a look at this uh this list here. Now this one's done. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We did that already. We need to do ah. Here we go. Looks like we have a SummerSlam 2005 on that's the right. horizon. Don't we need to do one on a, a, a DDT Pro show? Yeah, for Sandra, we got to do a DDT Pro mm-hmm. one. 
uh make sure make sure there's not a different one here too uh okay got that one Bloop. yep i think that's i think that's the last one of, of of the donor batches oh okay and then we'll just do whatever we want to do let's do some more all Sounds right good. well thanks everybody for tuning in we appreciate it let us know what you guys think in the comments below hey before you leave give us a thumbs up subscribe to the channel it helps us grow thanks for watching everybody till next time we'll talk to you later goodbye Help support Going In Raw today by becoming a Friendo Club TV member. You'll get access to new bonus episodes every week, including Friendo Club Arcade, Live Power Rank, Vintage 10 for the Wins, and Ask Steven Larson. Get access to Friendo Club TV today by becoming a $5 and up patron at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson, by throwing us a sub at twitch.tv forward slash Steven Larson, or by clicking join at youtube.com forward slash Steven Larson. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.